Take your Bibles to the book of Proverbs again, one last time together. We're turning to Proverbs 31. By the grace of God, we'll finish this chapter, this last chapter of the book of Proverbs. We started preaching and teaching through this book on August the 22nd, 2018. (laughs) But we took some breaks. But this is a wonderful book. I would say if we as God's people would put all the principles in these 31 chapters into our lives, we would have probably a lot better life to live. And we would be more protected from the things that are around us that that we need to be protected from. What a book of wisdom. And when we began this book, it was because if we've ever lived in a generation that is the dumbest generation, is the most ignorant generation. It's this generation, our generation that we're living in. So it, we, we needed wisdom. We need wisdom. If we've ever needed wisdom, we need it today. And uh, how to live, how to act, how to react, what not to do as well as what to do. This book has been so filled with so much wisdom of the Lord. So tonight we'll try to finish it. We're looking at the words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. And so these words of a woman that were inspired by the Spirit of God to be put in your Bible, we've said, have a dual application, not only the ideal for womanhood, godly for a godly woman, a virtuous woman, but we begin showing ourselves through the Bible how that we as the church are called Christ's bride, we're His lady, we are His bride, we are His woman, He is our husband, the church's husband. And so we've been seeing some things not only about women in this text, but as it applies to every one of us that are saved by the grace of God, of what kind of church God wants us to be. We want to be a virtuous church. And so we've been asking ourselves the question, is your church a virtuous woman? And are these things in our church, do we want them to be in our church? Do we desire them to be so? And as we've been looking, we saw the first thing we looked at was the rarity and the value of this virtuous woman. Verse 10, hard to find her. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. That means that you've not met her very often if you've ever met her at all. Because she's hard to find. And we talked about how it's hard to find a virtuous church. It's hard to find a godly church that fits this example. And her price is far above rubies. We talked about her rarity and her value. How a virtuous woman is more valuable than any kind of money. Any, anything that you could put. You can't put a price to the value of a good woman. You can't do that. She's more valuable than anything else that you could find. And uh, we talked about the value of a church. And I, I hope in the day that, that most people don't value the church, I hope that the value is high. And not just any church, but a virtuous church. And then we talked about the relationship of this virtuous woman to her husband. And how she lives for him and how she exalts him and how he is known but she is not known and how in the church of the living God our efforts is not to exalt our local assembly or what we do but we want uh, we want the Lord to be exalted we want him to be glorified we want him to be known in the gates and then last time we talked about her industriousness we talked about how strong this woman is how hard of a work she performs and the skill that she has. Her, her understanding of what is a good investment. Her merchandise. And the strength that she had to do all these things even into the late hours of the night. And we're going to move from that now. And if you look at verse 20 is where we'll pick up the reading this evening in Proverbs 31 verse 20. We're going to see a couple more things about this virtuous woman and hopefully what God wants us to be as a church. Verse number 20, the Bible says, She stretcheth out her hand to the poor 
Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing. And she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom. And in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. God will bless his word. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for being able to read a copy of the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for the ability to read. Thank you, Lord, for the ability to see. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and privilege we have to be in a church house where we can open Bibles and hear your word preached and your spirit move in our hearts and you've aided us with musical instruments to help us to sing and hymn books and you've given us every advantage Lord to take our eyes off the things of this world and put them upon you so we pray once more in the quietness of this hour Lord you'd still our hearts that you would Help us to apply our hearts unto wisdom. We thank you for this book of Proverbs and every book of the Bible that shows us the truth and shows us you, Lord Jesus, and what you want us to see about you and ourselves. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you would make our church a virtuous church and make us this type of lady, Lord, that you would be pleased with. And God, whatever lack that we have, may you... Strengthen the things that remain, that are ready to die. Strengthen the things of our weakness, God, and bring us to the place of repentance and change of heart and change of life so that we can be more the people called out for your name that you desire us to be. And we'll thank you and praise you for all that you deal with us about and give you glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. What I want to focus on tonight, a couple of things about this virtuous woman. The first thing I see, and I put these together because I think they do go together, is her compassion and her speech. As this woman is described, God starts describing her heart, her compassion, and how she speaks. And I think those are very interrelated. She says in verse, the Bible says in verse number 20, she stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She's a woman of compassion. You know, certainly if there ever should be a good picture of compassion, it should be in a woman. Because just to be frank with you, men are harsh. They're hard. I mean, you know, we're, what is it? We're made of snails and tails and so, I don't know what we're made of. I said that wrong, didn't I? We're definitely not made of sugar and spice and everything nice. But that's because the men are supposed to bust rocks and plow fields. And kill people. <laughs> God has a different task for the man to do. And many times it's a hard task. I'm not saying men should not be compassionate. All of us should be compassionate. Our great example of compassion is the Lord Jesus Christ. But what I'm just saying is there's something about looking at a woman and you see tenderness that you don't see in a man. Would you not agree with that? I mean, I look at these guys holding these their babies. I, I look at Brother Todd and Brother Joel and Brother Simon, and they do a good job. But Simon, you know, he's bouncing the baby around. <laughs> and Kidron, she's like, 
right? That's, that's good. When, when, a, when a child, when a little toddler, you know, uh, skins the knee, I guarantee you, in my house, they didn't run to dad. There's just a lack of, comp- a lack of compassion there. Right? Okay, it's a need. We all do that. It's part of life. You fall. You skin your knee. But now you go to mom. And she blows on it. And doctors it. I'll never forget. I'll tell one of our missionaries. Uh, Brother James Hoffmeister was at our house in Virginia Years and years and years ago, and his daughter, which is married now, she's about this high. And she was playing around outside, and she fell off a little rail. It wasn't about this high. But where she fell, she hit something jagged or something and cut a a gash in the back of her head about that wide. And it was deep. And immediately I'm saying, man, get this child to the hospital because she needs stitches. You know what he said? He said, we're missionaries. And he got, he got uh, hydrogen peroxide and doused that little girl's head and just said, sit still. And he just pouring that over there and put a little medication over there. I forget how, how he, you know, tried to keep it stopped. But anyway, he just dealt with that child. So, I mean, she got what she needed. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? But, but there was a little bit lack of compassion there. The virtuous woman, she stretches her hands out to the poor and to the needy. She cares about people. But now, this is the, this is the probing thing about this woman. It doesn't say, you read this text and you find out she takes care of her household. She takes care of her children. She loves her children. She provides for her children. She meets the needs of her children. But this verse says... She has as much compassion for people outside of her household as she does inside her household. Do you see that? It doesn't say she stretcheth forth her hands to her children. She stretches forth her hands to the poor. She reaches her hands out to the needy. She's wanting to care for someone that is not in her house. It is not in her home. They are not her children. But she has compassion on people that are not in her family. You know, it, it should be it should be easy to have compassion on people that are in your family, but to have compassion on people outside of your household. I want to say if we're going to be a virtuous church, then we're going to have to have concern about people outside of our household. We ought to love one another. We ought to meet the needs of one another. But we ought to be stretching out our hands to the poor and reaching forth our hands to the needy. You say, what's he talking about? Is he talking about meeting the needs of, uh, of uh, financially poor people? You know, there probably was a day in America that would be true. But the poorest people in all the world are people that are outside of the riches of the grace of God and the mercy of God. Poverty is, when you look at spiritual poverty, you find a much deeper poverty, a much deeper need than that of some financial need. And I think a virtuous church is a church that's reaching out to those that are outside of the grace of God and those that don't have a church and those that don't have a preacher and those that don't have a Bible. And that's why we have flags. You say, preacher, why do we have missions conference? Why do we give of our money? Why do we make such a big deal about reaching other places in the world? It's because we want to be a virtuous woman. We don't want to just care about ourselves. The virtuous woman doesn't just care about herself. She reaches out her hand to the poor and to the needy. You know, Jesus talked about the man that had a withered hand. He couldn't reach out to anybody. And our, I look at that as even a matter of giving. When we reach out our hands to give, our hands give. It gives of our love. It gives of our, our money. I think a virtuous church is an evangelistic church. 
I think a virtuous church is trying to reach out to every part of society and every part of the community. It doesn't matter if it's a trailer park or if it's million-dollar homes. People have needs. They have the need of God. And guys, if we just come in and out of church and we enjoy uh, the service and we look at the Bible and we sing songs and we have our church attendance and we don't reach out to a world that is poor and needy, we are not a virtuous church. And we are not a church of compassion. And I say again, those women, those women are to be tender. Those women are to have the compassion. And a real church is like that lady that has tender compassion on those that have a need. And I think we need to pray for that. Lord, give us a greater compassion for not just the world around us, but give us a greater compassion for those that are around us without God. You know, if you looked at this text and if you're consumed in yourself, all you would say is this, you know, this is a good wife and this is a good mother. She's much more than that. She's reaching out to the community. She's reaching out to others. Her ministry is not just inside the walls of her house or inside the walls of her house. Her ministry is also outside the walls of her house. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor and she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. The Bible says in verse 25, or excuse me, verse number 26, she openeth her mouth with wisdom. So her speech, I think her speech goes together with her compassion. If you are compassionate, you will give, you will speak wisdom. You will speak truth to people. It's not that she's just uh, patting people on the back and say it'll be all right. She's also giving them wisdom. Do you see that in verse 26? She openeth her mouth with wisdom. When she speaks, she's speaking the wisdom of God. May we as a church ever be espousing the wisdom of God, the truths are the truths of God. Look at what it says. She opened her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of what? Kindness. You see why I'm putting compassion together with her speech? When she speaks, you can see the compassion of her heart. You can see the gentleness and the grace of her heart, because when she speaks, she speaks with kindness. When she's trying to reach out to, to others, she's reaching, trying to reach out to them in kindness. In her tongue is the law of kindness. She's got a law in her house. A law. She has a law on herself. She will not break the law. Break what law? The law of kindness. Every home ought to have a law of kindness. We may be a lot of things, we can disagree, but there's a law in the house that we're going to be kind one to another. Isn't that what God says about us as children of God? Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted. We're supposed to be like this woman, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Listen, listen, she is not just godly, she is kind. Do you get that? If we only emphasize her godly character, we miss the kindness that is in her character to make, that makes her such a, a virtuous woman that she is. She will not break the law that she has in her own tongue and her own mouth that she will always be kind. She'll be kind to her husband. She will be kind to her children. She will be kind to the poor. She will be kind to the needy. And women, that's a wonderful thing. I've met a lot of men that that aren't as kind as women, but I think all of us ought to be kind. We we as the church ought to be kind. I tell you what, if you're a lady here, you that you 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 want you want to find a verse for you? Right there's one. In her tongue is the law of kindness. We need to, you know, like Sam Jones used to preach. He just went around the country preaching. Just quit your meanness. Quit being so mean to everybody. Forget all the deep doctrines of the Word of God. Quit being so mean. Be kind. 
Be nice to people. Stop all your nastiness. Amen. Nobody wants the nastiness in that. Well, you don't. It doesn't matter. Be kind. You ought to have a respectful home. You ought to have a kind home. You ought to have a kind marriage. You can disagree, but you don't have to be unkind. All kind of nasty words and nasty. That, that's not a virtuous woman. A virtuous woman doesn't do that. In her tongue is the law of kindness. And guys, we, we need to stand for God on a wicked day, but we ought never quit being kind. You say, how can you fight the fight of faith and be kind? We follow the example of Jesus. There was never a man as gracious as Jesus Christ, but at the same time, he whipped people out of the temple. You say, how did he do that? He whipped them in love. Amen. By the way, if you can't discipline your children, that you don't understand discipline. If you can't, if you can't be kind when you pass out discipline to your children, you need to quit doing it. You say, how do you pass out kindness when you're disciplining a child? Then you don't understand what discipline is about. We ought never stop being kind. When are we going to start repenting of the sin of not being kind to people? When's the last time you, you saw somebody or heard of somebody, you yourself went to the altar or got down and said, Lord, I just want to tell you I'm sorry I've sinned because I've not been kind to people. Do you have to smoke dope to have a sin to confess? Do you have to go to a bar to have to have something to confess? No, I think we have plenty to confess in the fact that we're just not kind to people like we ought to be. And there's not a person in this room that that doesn't apply to. There's not a husband in this room that's always been as kind as you need to be to your, to your wife. It's never a sin to be kind. I, I think there's some people that, that they think kindness is a compromise. No, compromise. You, you, can, you can, amen, be bulldog on the truth and still be kind about it. You cannot move a muscle, move an inch off the right things of God and still be kind about it. God delivers us from being godly, but not kind. Because God is kind. You know what the Bible says? I saw this verse and I started meditating on it. He said, the psalmist said in Psalm 68, 3, he said, thy loving kindness is better than life. He said, God, your kindness is better than even being alive. You're just so kind. He said that in Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 17. He said that in Joel chapter 2 verse 13. He said that. They said that in the book of Jonah chapter 4. The heathen nation talked about the great kindness of God. Boy, God's been kind to us. So you know what a virtuous church does? A virtuous church is like God. A virtuous woman is like her God. She's kind. Be kind to your husband. Be kind to your children. Amen, preacher. Man, if we have a revival of kindness, maybe everybody, will, maybe everybody will chill out a little bit and just, you know, you know, everybody's on pins and needles and just stressed out because people aren't being kind. So the next time you brag about your spirituality, check your kindness level. You say, well, preacher, you preach mean up there. Well, I don't talk to people like this. <laughs> Amen. I want to be kind to people. This is preaching. Amen. This is God's time. She's kind. I think siblings ought to be kind to each other. I wonder where they learn to be so mean to each other. Where does our society grow up learning to be so ugly to each other? I tell you what, if, if we want to be what God wants us to be as a church, people will walk in here and they'll see a lot, of, a lot about us, but you know what they ought to see? They ought to see as well our kindness. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 6, one of the ways that people approve themselves as ministers of God is with their kindness. 
The Bible says in Colossians 4, 6, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. I think that probably sums up this lady real well because she speaks, she opens her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She has salt and she has grace. She has wisdom and she has kindness. May God help us. We're not just, we're not just kind. We're also wise. We don't just speak kindness. We also speak wisdom. We don't just speak grace, we also speak salt. But, but we never uh, leave one without the other. And you know, if you're going to be kind, if I'm going to be kind as a church or in your home, you're going to have to put that on. Colossians 3.12 says, put on kindness. In other words, guys, you don't wake up in the morning kind. I never forget a little cartoon I saw, I never forgot it. It says, uh, sometimes I wake up grumpy, and then sometimes I let her sleep. <laughs> I, thought, I thought there's probably double connotations with that. How many of us wake up grumpy? Guys, you don't wake up spiritual. I'm sorry. You don't open your eyes and say, it's a new day. You don't wake up to a Disney movie. No, you don't wake up with the birds tweeting and you roll out of bed and say, well, glory to God, oh, happy day, happy day. You got boogers in your eyes and you're trying to get situated and get to the bathroom. And I mean, I'll confess it. My wife doesn't say anything to me in the morning. I mean, it's just, I got to have some space. I got, I got to get my mind right, my heart right, my body right. I don't wake up right. And you don't either. You know what we have to do? Just like we put on our clothes. He said in Colossians 3 verse 12, put on kindness. You have to make a choice. I'm going to be kind to my family today. I'm going to be kind to the people I work today. I'm going to be kind to those that God brings me in contact with. You've got to put that on. He says in 2 Peter 1, verse 7, he says that we're to add to our faith brotherly kindness. It's something you have to add to your faith. And this woman's kindness, by the way, it's not kind not to tell somebody the truth. It's not kind to to fail to give somebody the gospel. If you know they're on their way to hell, that's not a kindness to let somebody go to hell without you talking to them. She opened up her mouth with wisdom and her tongue is the law of kindness. It says in verse number 25, I see something else about her speech. Strength and honor are her clothing and she shall rejoice in time to come. I see not only that her speech is one of wisdom and kindness, but it's one of rejoicing. Do you see that? She shall rejoice in time to come. A virtuous woman is a woman of praise. A virtuous woman is a joyful woman. A virtuous woman is a rejoicing woman. Do you see that in the scripture? She shall rejoice in time to come. Now, maybe things are going not going good, and maybe she's got to do that by faith, and maybe it'll come later, but she is a rejoicing individual. She is not a depressing person. I didn't say she's not a depressed person. She's not that either, but she's not depressing. Have you ever been around people that are depressing to you? They're like a wet blanket on your life. They're always negative. And, of course, then you got people like Joel. He's always positive. <laughs> Everything is all right. Everything is always good. I can't be like that. <laughs> but a virtuous woman rejoices. Is that what it says? Ladies, in your home, you ought to be rejoicing. It, if your kids only see you correcting them and you don't, they don't see you rejoicing, there's something wrong in your home. You ought to be a rejoicing woman. Now, what are we talking about too? We're talking about the church. Are we a rejoicing church? Hey, don't let me and Brother Gibson do all the rejoicing. Don't let Brother Paul do all the rejoicing. Don't let a handful. Amen. We want to be a rejoicing church. You know why? Because that's what a virtuous church does. 
We're not Catholics. <laughs> Going to a little church, you think you're in a funeral. Okay, when you come here, rejoice. And if, if, if you're not in the attitude of rejoice, maybe we ought to have the altar at the beginning of the service. So we can get right enough to go back to our seat to rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. That's a virtuous church. Her speech is rejoicing. How are you doing today? Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. It's good. Jesus is coming. God's good to me. I'm saved by the grace of God. She shall rejoice, the Bible says. That's her speech. Rejoicing speech. Kind speech. Wise speech. Compassion, giving, reaching out to the poor and needy. What a woman this is. I, I want to be a church this way. So not only do I need to confess my sin and my lack of kindness, I need to confess my sin and my lack of rejoicing. It is not a mark of spirituality to be somber. Serious, a serious look it's not a mark of spirituality. You say, preacher, do we need to be serious? Absolutely. But if you can never rejoice, then you're not spiritual. Good. Let me ask you a question. Does the Bible say rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice? Is that in the New Testament? Yes, so that's a commandment. Is that right? right. So if you don't rejoice, then what, what have you done? Huh? You've sinned against God. Just like this... The sin of not being kind. What about the sin of not rejoicing? Guys, we have talked ourselves into thinking we're right with God when, when many times that couldn't be further from the truth. Are we re- rejoicing Christians? Because if I'm not, I have something wrong with my heart. A virtuous woman is rejoicing. Then I want to look at her clothing and her beauty. This is a beautiful woman here. Look at verse 20. 21. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are what? Clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. So you can tell this virtuous woman by the way she dresses. Help me, I don't want to stay here all night. You can tell this a virtuous woman by the way she is clothed. Her clothing is silk and purple. She doesn't look like a harlot. She looks like a king's daughter. She's clothed with silk and purple. And she's made herself coverings. She's covered up. You can tell this good virtuous woman by how modestly she's clothed, how beautiful she's clothed. She's not a ragtag street woman. She's a virtuous woman and she looks like it. And you can spot her walking down the wow, look at the virtuous woman. Look at the silk and the purple. That's royal clothes. She's fit for a king, man. I said she's fit for a king. And that's we're supposed to dress ourselves up for the Lord to be fit for the king. Our lives should be acceptable to the king of kings and to the Lord of lords. Mm. But she's not just clothed. The Bible says in verse 21, all her household are clothed with scarlet. You know, if, if you'll stay in a good church, you know what will happen? It'll keep good clothes on you. Look at the Bible. All her household are clothed with scarlet. If you're in a virtuous church, it, it, it affects how you dress. It makes sure you're clothed. I was going through the airport this week, and it was, clo- it was cold in Virginia Beach. I don't know if it was cold back here this week, but it was over there. And I was going through the airport. It was like 45, 50 degrees. And there are people walking, I mean, in short shorts all the way. I'm thinking, man, I hope you get frostbit on the plane. (laughs) (laughs) 
You, you know what intrigues me about, look, I, I'm telling you what, and we don't, this is not a hobby horse we get, but we're, I'm reading it out of the Bible, so we're going to preach about it just for a second. But, but here's the deal, here's the deal. If you stay in a good church, it'll affect the way you live, even down to the clothes you wear. And as soon as you get out of a good, virtuous church, listen to me. The first thing that happens, your clothing changes. I've watched it all my life. That's the first thing that happens. People almost feel liberated and they just start dressing the way they want to. I'm telling you, you ought to be able to tell a virtuous woman by the way she dresses. And a church ought to be the same way. You know, Adam and Eve, I'm often intrigued about this. Okay, so Adam and Eve sin in the garden. And they're naked. And immediately after they sin in the garden and they're naked, they go try to cover themselves. Have you ever thought about the irony of that? There are only two people on the planet. And they're married. If there's only two people on the planet and they're married, why can't they walk around naked all the time? Y'all act like I'm preaching some heresy or something. There's only two people in the whole world and they're married. But as soon as they sin and the the knowledge of sin comes to their minds. They say, we got to go clothe ourselves. And they do a terrible job of it. Now, now, this is what's even more intriguing. God comes to them. And God doesn't say, well, you stupid people, there's only two of you on the planet. Walk around naked and have a good time. The animals don't care. Can we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden to get some clothing standards? <laughs> Here's what God does. God clothes them. God puts clothes on the only two people in the whole world. So it must be important to be clothed. It must be important to cover up nakedness or God wouldn't have done it in the garden. And there's only two people there. Do you know that devil-possessed man? Listen to me. The devil-possessed man that Jesus cast all those devils out of. You know what it said about him? He wear no clothes. A devil-possessed society wants to take off their clothes. And look, that is not the only thing we preach in our church. But I'm just saying, a virtuous woman understands that clothing, everybody in the household ought to be clothed. And we have a devil-possessed society, and you can tell it because, you know, just take it off, show it everywhere. And when he met Jesus, and Jesus got all the devils out of him, he was sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed. And in his right mind, hmm, maybe insanity goes along with nakedness. Maybe the reason people take off their clothes is because they're not only devil-possessed, they're insane. Virtuous woman, she, her clothing is silk and purple. She's got coverings of tapestry. She makes sure that all her household are clothed with scarlet. You know that Laodicean church, which is, is the condemnation to that church. That's the last church there in the book of the Revelation. And he says to that church, he says, you know, you need to get some clothes on. I don't think that's a coincidence. The Bible also said in Revelation 16, 15, Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, garments lest he walk naked and they see his shame. You say all that's spiritual. Well, it might be some of that spiritual. But I think there's, there's a truth there that the devil is trying to get the clothes off the virtuous woman. Doesn't want you to be clothed. Doesn't want you to be modest in your apparel. But her apparel is not just physical apparel. There's more than meets the eye to about this woman's clothing and her beauty. 
Look at verse 25. It says, strength and honor are her clothing. She's not just clothed on the outside. She's clothed on the inside. Strength clothes her. She's strong. She's an honorable woman. That's her clothing. God forbid that we would be just a church that emphasized the outward clothing and we failed to look on the inside. Am I clothed with strength? Am I clothed with honor? Do I live an honorable life? Do I have an honorable heart? Do I have an honorable mind? How many times on the outside of people look right, but on the inside they've had perverted thoughts and perverted actions and they looked at perverted things and they've done perverted deeds. It's not just getting it right on the outside. It's being clothed on the inside as well. The Bible tells us that we're to be clothed with humility. There's an irony. So many people that champion proper dress standards don't champion the clothing of humility. We need to have both of the clothings. It says about that woman in 1 Peter chapter 3, let her adorning not be that outward adorning of plaiting of hair and gold and all that culture ray, but let it be uh, the, the, the hidden man of the heart. That meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. It's not enough just to look beautiful or right on the outside. We want to have meekness on the inside. We want to have humility on the inside. We want to have God's honor and strength on the inside of us. We're not to have one without the other. We're not emphasizing one over the other. Strength and honor are her clothing. Verse 30 says, favor is deceitful. Watch it. And beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. God is emphasizing the beauty of this woman, not what's on the outside of her, but what is on the inside of her. There is honor there. There is strength there. There is the fear of God in her heart. And God recognizes this as a beautiful woman because because of what's on the inside of her. So many young women, listen to me, especially our teenage girls, so many young women, and, and even, you know, not just teenagers, but... So many young women and women in general try to aspire and, and be above all things to be beautiful. Outwardly beautiful. And they don't understand that God says in the Bible, I'm, I'm looking at a King James Bible, and it says beauty is, what does that say? It's vain. You know why it's vain? Because it isn't going to last. Ladies, if a guy just marries you because you're beautiful, then when that runs out, so is your marriage. You say, well, it's never going to run out. I'll go get Botox. (laughs) The lengths that some people will go to to be beautiful. You know a 60, 70-year-old woman ain't supposed to look like a 30, 20-year-old woman. And they shoot themselves up with all this stuff and they look like monsters. Look like a monster. You know why they do that? Because beauty is the chief thing. I want to be beautiful. For who? I'll also give this little tidbit. Every time I've noticed some woman leave her husband for another man, all of a sudden she starts working on herself. What's that about? It's, it's quiet, but that's true. In other words, I don't have to be beautiful for you anymore, but I'm going to get beautiful for this dude. Beauty is vain. It's Worms are going to eat. Amen. Maryland, open Marilyn Monroe tomb and see how beautiful she is. Beauty's vain. It doesn't last. Well, all I want to be is beautiful. That's nah, not wise. 
You know what? You ought to want to fear the Lord. You ought to be beautiful in here. Now, having said that, there'll be some Amish person that'll say, well, see there, we don't care about beauty on the outside and just, you know, wear a toe sack and, you know. And then I have to correct those people. It's like bodily exercise. The Bible says bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. So the main thing is to be godly, right? <laughs> well, just quit worrying about bodily exercise. No. <laughs> and then have a heart attack and die early. No, you ought to take care of your body, right? He's not saying not to take care of your body. He's not saying because beauty is vain that you shouldn't take care of yourself and be presentable. You ought to want to be beautiful for your husband. You ought to want to have a good testimony. It's not spiritual to let yourself go. Beauty is vain and ugly goes to the bone. I don't know who said that, but... <laughs> It is not a mark of spirituality to be ugly. I appreciate the ladies in this church fixing their hair. That's not hypocrisy. I appreciate you bathing. I appreciate your tie being in the right place. I shined my shoes this morning. Well, beauty is vain. Yeah, but I want to present myself, amen, in a proper fashion. I don't want to be a bad testimony about somebody that doesn't take care of themselves or just lets themselves go. But my striving is not just to be beautiful. I want on the inside to be what God, I know God's looking at that. But there is, there is no spirituality Amen. I mean, this woman, guys, she's wearing silk and tapestry. She's not wearing a toe sack. I'm not saying she looks ugly. I I think she looks beautiful. I really do. I think she's probably a beautiful woman. But her whole whole desire is not to be something God didn't make her to be. You know, you you can change a few things in your life, but God made you the way he made you. (laughs) You can put fake here and fake there and paint this and do that. But I mean, you know. Only so much you're going to be able to do with that. And I'd say this. If people, if church people, if God's people would spend half the time they do on their spirit, on, on their heart, as they do on their body, we'd have revival. Amen. Right. If we spent as much time in prayer as we did on getting our hair done. And I'm not just talking about the ladies. I'm talking about the men, you know. We spend so much time on this body. Guys, we do. And I'm not saying to let yourself go. I'm not saying that because I don't think that's right. I don't think that's a good testimony. But this is what I'm telling you. If we spend so much time on what is beautiful, but then God looks at me and says, you know, that's ugly on the inside of you. I tell you what, the ugliest woman in the world is a woman that don't have the law of kindness in her tongue. I don't care how pretty she is on the outside. She looks like a mangy dog. Is that plain enough? Doesn't matter what the beauty is. And that's what our society is. Our society is all about getting the outside beautiful. And these girls grow up thinking, that's what I want to be. No, you want to be a Ruth. You want to be, amen, a Hannah. You want to be a Mary. You want to be a godly individual. I want, to, I want to conclude with this last verse. I mean, it's fitting. We're having a, we're having a wedding this Saturday. And, and I've not seen Heather's dress. But I guarantee you she's not, she's not going to get married in blue jeans. She's going she's gonna to dress up. She's going to. Why Why she do that? She's doing that so when, when that boy sees her walk, I don't know how many times I've seen, I've seen a guy, I'm standing up here doing a wedding, and here's a guy, and here comes the bride, and the first time he sees and he just starts shaking. And it's like, wow. You know what? I want the Lord Jesus Christ to look down from heaven and say, wow.
Look at that church. Wow. Psalm 45, we'll end there. Her clothing and her beauty. Are you a beautiful Christian? Are we a beautiful church? Not in the eyes of the world. I mean, guys, people drive by the road and they say, what is that, a garage or is that, what is that? We we don't have stained glass in this building. We have metal walls. We we, we don't have any edifices here that somebody would just step back and say, wow, that property's worth millions and millions of dollars. But we want God Almighty to look down from heaven and look in this assembly and say, how beautiful. What a beautiful church. Are we a beautiful church? Do you want to be a beautiful church? Are you a beautiful Christian? Psalm 45 is a wonderful verse. The Bible says here in Psalm 45, verse number 8, All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia, out of the ivory palaces whereby, whereby they have made thee glad. King's daughters were among thy honorable women. Upon thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of Ophir. Hearken, O daughter, and consider and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. So, the, so shall the king, watch it, So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy Lord, and worship thou him. And the daughter of Tyre shall be there with a gift, even the rich among the people shall entreat thy favor. Now watch verse 13. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is of wrought gold. She shall be brought unto the king in raiment of needlework. The virgin shall, her companions that follow her shall be brought unto thee with gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought. They shall enter into the king's palace. But I want you to think about verse 13. The king's daughter is all glorious within. The beauty on the inside, the glory on the inside, the treasure on the inside. My question for you this evening is, do you have that inward beauty? Are you arrayed gloriously on the inside? Does God look at your humility of heart and our kindness and our strength and our honor and our wisdom and our character? Does he look at us on the inside, our godliness on the inside of our hearts, our loving the right thing, our pureness of heart? And can God say about us tonight, they are all glorious within. That's a virtuous woman. Beautiful from the inside out. May that be our church. And may that be your life.